we're spiraling out here. <laughs> like we tend to. So it's working. Rain us in. Rain us in. Moving along. Moving along. Uh, uh, okay, so we've talked a lot about uh, terms that deal with. Uh, we just have fun doing it, man. We can't help right? it. Right? It is, man. This is like riding and talking. That's why I love this, man. Like you say, <laughs> I'm, I'm so stoked to do this on my birthday, man. I got to ride with my wife, cruise around. I'm here looking at you. We're just talking about training, man. Yep. It's all good. It's good stuff. Hey, everyone. Real quick, before we jump into the episode, we're still taking questions for episode 10, which is the listener's questions episode, and we wanted to make it super easy for you to send your questions in. So we created a new page uh, at NFR Cycling to go ahead and collect those questions. Uh, just head over to nfrcycling.com ask, and you'll have a super simple form just to shoot your question into you and, and get it fired off to us. So again, that's nfrcycling.com ask. We really appreciate all the questions you've sent in already and are looking forward to uh, some more. So thanks again, and uh, now back to uh, today's show. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the NFR Cycling Podcast. We are now on episode eight. Um, we've got Rob with us again today. Um, and for episode eight, we're going to talk a little bit about... Um, the words and crazy acronyms that are just kind of around cycling and training um, and all that. So I think some of it uh, may be old hat to some of you. Some of it will be new, uh, but we'll make it fun because uh, that's what we like to do. Um, also, we should uh, talk about uh, it's Rob's birthday today. <laughs> right on, baby. Thank so, you. <laughs> happy birthday. 51 years young today. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's uh uh, it's been fun kind of going through the parts of it that I've uh, that I've been through with you. So, yeah, again, happy birthday. Thank you, brother. Thank you. It's cool to celebrate it like this, too. This is cool with you. I'm digging yeah. it. Well, you're going to do stuff that's actually cool later on, but this is this is fun. <laughs> I appreciate you taking your birthday time to, to talk with me and all of us. Um, so it's been it's been uh, just over a week since we recorded the last episode. Um, we've had some. Uh, we just figured we'd give updates on some things about us as we go through our cycling weeks um, and share them with you so you all can get a, a little bit of a read on on us and uh, maybe a deeper connection because that's really what kind of we're looking for with you. So uh, what's gone on in the past week, man? Let me see. So I am now off of work officially awaiting a hernia surgery. So mm. I... Um, I've got a right-sided inguinal and an umbilical just above the belly button hernia, a result of that work maybe about six weeks ago, picking up someone that was about 300 pounds that really couldn't help themselves. So I've had one before a few years ago. Everything worked out well, but the first couple of days of uh, recovery suck bad, like suck really bad, like a lot of pain. Uh, so it's just kind of easy peasy noodling around, um, you know, just, uh, I'm less than two weeks. I'm about 10 days probably from surgery. So mm. just kind of moving around, taking it easy. Nothing is crazy. And, uh, that's it. Well, you got some, you got some new bike shoes. Ah, so there we go. That's right. And I got some new specialized S works recon kicks, baby. Yeah, I did. That uh, we'll call it early birthday present for myself. But, and what, uh, what were you riding before that? I was riding the Lake uh, CX two forty one, and I was riding those because the toe box was wide. 
Mm-hmm. So this is good. I think we, we catch up on some of these things, right? The, the things people don't talk about in cycling, but, you know, almost 25 years of cycling for years and years and years and years. I rode CDs, which have mm-hmm. really narrow toe boxes. So I'd encourage you folks, you know, if you got little toe issues or whatever, look at your cycling shoes. And then when you just look at your natural foot, they're typically not shaped the same, man. And uh, what was happening is I was getting, I guess you would call it like that hammer toes, like your big toes start to move towards the other toes. And it was assuming the shape of the cycling shoe. Ugh. So I moved into a wider toe box shoe. I started to do research on that. And people were butchering their shoes and pounding out their shoes with freaking mallets and just crazy, crazy shit like to make space for their toes. That's, ex- that's exactly what you should do with as expensive as those shoes Right, are. dude. Yeah. They're None of our shit is cheap, right? <laughs> and uh, so I remember on the road, I was riding Bonts, Bont mm. Vapors, which would take a look at those if you guys have never seen it. BontCycling.com, B-O-N-T. And that shoe is the shape of your freaking foot, man. But the mm. only thing with Bont is, like they says on the website all over for all their shoes, they're not meant for walking. I mean, they are stiff as hell. And remember, that's what I was like using as my mountain bike first shoes. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, I do remember. And that. I was in speed plays. <laughs> oh god, super meathead, knucklehead move, guys. But uh, anyways, I'm in a that that shoe. I got to give it kudos right off the bat because it's very stiff, uh, flexible enough to kind of cruise around, walk around, mm-hmm. um, and yet yeah, the lakes serve their purpose with helping me to get my foot pattern back. Um, and let, let my toes kind of spread out again. So didn't feel scrunched at all. And the power platform was excellent, man. Really good. And you said they were the recon that they're the S works recons S works mm-hmm. recon. Yeah. That's what they're called now, I guess. So. Yeah. So I I've been on, um, I think the first time I got specialized shoes was around 2004. Um, I remember because I bought them when I moved to Texas. Uh, I also remember because I couldn't afford them, but I bought them anyway. Um, and I always like they just they just always fit my foot really, really well. And that's kind right. of what I've been on since is specialized. Um, I don't do like I don't <clears throat> I don't mess around with much of their other stuff, but I love their shoes. Um, not to make this a shoe episode, but like last week on a ride, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I bounced off of a, I bounced off a couple rocks, had my first crash in a little while. Um, but one of the, one of the casualties of that was, um, when I ride the mountain bike, uh, I ride, um, an S works trail shoe, which I guess they don't even make anymore. Um, and when I was sliding down the rock, um, Uh, the, uh, what is that? The little boa. boa. Yeah. Um, I took like the, the, the top half of that off and, uh, so I'm looking for a new set of of mountain bike shoes. Um, mm. uh, cause I ride the, I ride the S works, um, mountain shoes, the non-trail version on the, on the gravel bike. Ah, oh, um, gotcha. Gotcha. So I started looking at the trail shoes and I actually, I was looking at Lake. Um, but I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do there. I don't know. Uh, I like to stay with the things that work. Like I said, again, yeah. I know we kind of chatted and not to make it a shoe issue, right? Yeah. I, I'm all about, going faster right what what sustainably right that's not hurting you so of course yeah. i had the cure a can a positioning thing with that shoe so that offered the biggest toe box but it was a uh, like a way more flexy mm-hmm. so super easy to walk in 
and it was also a ton heavier. Um, so man, yeah, I hopped in these things and I was like, holy shit, that's like some free wattage because I've definitely lost some power, uh, with all the hernia, with the hernia stuff, you know, yeah. you figure there's a tear in the tear in the torso, man. So mm. the, the ability to stabilize under maximum loads and create torque, that's freaking compromised. So those shoes yeah. definitely made my ride yesterday uh, a lot easier. Yeah, after you talked about them, I checked them out. Um, and I was again, I was looking for, I was just gonna replace the, the S-Works trail shoe I had with another trail and an, another S-Works trail shoe. Uh, but it doesn't look like they make it anymore. I'll keep, no. I'll keep digging around. Well, keep me posted too, because like I said, I saw the S Works, and then I saw the other two below that, which seemed a little more all mountain kind of trail style. Yeah, um, yeah. What I'm looking for in the trail stuff is a little bit more um, toe, and I I want more protection, protection. around on the yeah. on, so on the upper. Gotcha. Um, anyway, so yeah, that's uh, that's been that's been my week. Uh, all right. Um back into the actual episode so the the name of this episode we've got written down is uh words to train by and again if you're new to cycling kind of going back to the last podcast we had where we talked about getting into cycling uh one of the things is you get introduced to a lot of terms so we wanted to go over some of those terms do a really quick high level explanation of those give you a way to ask questions about uh these topics if you want to drill into them more um again you can do that through nfrcycling.com slash ask um, and we can dive deeper into those things. And um, as we move into more training-focused podcasts and start talking about um, the actual training mechanisms to do some of the things that we've talked about in, in previous episodes, all of these words are going to be important for you to know. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, yeah, this is kind of like setting the course so you don't get lost as we start getting more into it. Yep. Yep. So, um We've got our list here. I'll just go down through them, and sure. we can add color to them as we go. Um, so we talk a lot about power. Uh, and if you're not familiar with power in the context of cycling or, or training, so training with power or, or just power in general, you may not know what we're really talking about. Yeah. So what is what is power? So in the large framework of things, that is how we are measuring the work that we do on the bike. So with power meters built into the bike somehow, um, and then using power is really how I think about it to actually improve that performance. So mm -hmm. power is measured in watts, which we'll get a little bit more into. So mm -hmm. I think of it as a way of training. So, you know, power training, and I know here in just a bit, we'll talk about smart, you know, trainer power mm -hmm. training, and we'll keep jumping in. Uh, so sometimes I like to simplify things a little bit too much, but I think just to, to start off before we dig too deep into it, and we'll, we'll expand on it, um, is power is just a way to um, measure the force uh, that you're applying uh, through your pedal stroke. You could kind of think of it like the weight that you're pushing, sort of, right? So like you know that if you're going to um, squat 50 pounds versus squatting 250 pounds, um, you've got numbers to the effort that it's going to take yes. to lift those two things. So Correct. that's, that's kind of how I think about it. Yeah, that's pretty good, right? So you can quantify what you're doing. Yeah. Yep. Instead of like, Jesus Christ, that hurt. Right. Exactly. That right. Yeah, a little bit more subjective. <laughs> that really, right. really hurt. Um, so then when we talk about power, we talk about training with power. 
Uh, there are things that we can use like smart trainers. So we've talked a little bit about smart trainers before, but just to give a high level of smart trainers for those that are new. Yeah, so with that uh, overhead view, like you said, I think about when we're, when we're training with power and you're quantifying the work that you do, that's the benefit of this is because it's very objective, not subjective. You can put a number to it. So I always think about, we'll get into this, you know, the power is measured in the form of watts, uh, of lifting watts like you would lift weights. So right. the same exact thing. So that smart trainer which is a cornerstone piece for both me and you yep, yep. is something that allows you to set that wattage. And then you've got to either at the minimum meet it, or as you start to get stronger, exceed it and then yeah. reset it, you know, over and over and over, just like you would do with the example of squatting, deadlifting, bench pressing a barbell, you keep adding more weight. So you're yeah. going to add more Watts yeah. and that's how you tell how you're doing. And that smart trainer gives you the ability to add those uh, to, to, yes. to, you know, to go back to the squat rack or whichever else. When you, uh, when you're ready to add more weight, you can add more watts with the smart trainer. Correct, correct. Right. Or to ride. So here's the other bit. That's the, uh, you know, like my thing of just pushing that performance and really dialing it in. That's the one aspect. Or mm -hmm. that smart trainer has the ability to couple with third party. Mm -hmm. apps and software so for those of you that don't know you know you can write video you can write against video and have the smart trainer adjust to what shows on the screen mm -hmm. or write virtually in things like swift which uh, is where me and eric spend a lot of time as well and right. then you're writing against the watts in that one right so we've mentioned watts a couple times so what we've got written down for watts is a, a measurement of power produced <clears throat> it tells how much force is applied to the pedals um, and then you added some notes about it being the gold standard that I'll let you, I'll let you talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So again, without getting all into the sciencey stuff. So training with power, which we are measuring in Watts is the actual work, how much force you are applying to the pedals to push the bike forward. That's the actual work. Whereas heart rate is a response to that work being mm -hmm. done. So that's why. For those of you that even if you train exclusively with heart rate, but when you train with a power meter, you can definitely see uh, a deflection. So if we're going to do very intensive wattage work, it's going to take your heart rate anywhere from 20 to 40 seconds to catch up, depending on the, on the severity of that effort. Um, whereas if you're using heart rate alone and you're trying to hit heart rate target zones, that's sometimes, and in fact, it's a pretty common reason why folks find that they fail early uh, on intervals or goals that they've sent for themselves. And they're like, man, I just, I'm not hitting it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're discounting uh, that initial part where they're pushing <laughs> super hard and then having yeah. to come down even below and then gradually come up. So it makes for a bad, uh, it's not as efficient. So that's why it's the gold standard. It is the actual measurement of the work you were doing to drive the bike forward. Yeah, a couple of points I want to I want to mention through that. So, um, if power is force times velocity as represented um, in watts, right? So, if we talk about your your measurement of power, one of the things you've always said um, that I haven't heard a whole lot of other people say is that, um, and if I say it wrong, obviously mm -hmm. correct me. Mm -hmm. uh, that power is like cadence specific, right? Like 
or oh. there's, there's something about the the adaptation in terms of like if I'm gonna, yeah. um, I don't know if it has to do with FTP or whatever, but if I'm gonna, if my FTP is, uh, and it's not right now, but if my FTP were 250 watts uh, at 90 RPM, um, it's not gonna be 250 watts at 70 RPM cadence. Correct, correct. So the actual way I say it is strength is speed specific, that speed being the speed of your pedals or your cadence. Right. So you have yep. that's ex that example is right. And that's the statement of it. It was Bill Edwards that really turned me on and opened my eyes to that, that we mm -hmm. have to train through a certain bandwidth of what's usable cadence and not just like you said, sometimes people do that. Hey man, I'm cracking out whatever Watts at 90, you know, and I'm like, well, what's the range? And they're like, what do you mean the wattage range? And I'm like, no, the cadence range. Like, and so when people say why, you know, okay, well, let's say you're in a group ride, race, training ride, whatever, the pace is going to change. And if you're not the person setting the pace at your wattage at your 90 RPM, you will have to respond. It's not always going to be an ideal gear yeah. uh, or terrain to allow for that. So training within that little range, you know, helps for that. Yeah. I, I always thought it was an, um, an interesting um, distinction and concept that like, you know, you, these, these measurements that you're taking are specific to you and your, your cadence. Um, and if you, you know, so if we're going up Bali and we're able to to sit at 90 RPMs, uh, we've got a certain level that we're going to be able to achieve that we're probably used to based off of our trainer work. But then when you get on the mountain bike and you're going up some, you know, 20 some yeah. odd percent grade. Right. And you're grinding that out at 55 RPMs. Not it's a very same. different. Ex yeah. Right. Right. Or yeah. think of here's the last one. I mean, we're staying on this thing. But yeah, when you start to slip slide back from a somebody or a group that you're trying to stay up with the first thing that you do is change gears to what to stay in that gear kit you people aren't typically thinking about it like that they're just mm -hmm. thinking ah, it's so hard to push this gear but what you're trying to do is to push that gear at your cadence range mm -hmm. so that's why we drop the gears is because yeah we're having a hard time at the 90 rpm drop it drop it drop it and eventually yeah. you know eventually you're off the back Moving on, so we've mentioned power a couple times. Um, we've mentioned, um, I've mentioned it, uh, FTP or functional threshold power. So talk about that. So functional threshold power, you'll see super popularized with Hunter Allen, Andy Coggin, the trainer, Training Peaks uh, software guys. Uh, they wrote Training and Racing with a Power Meter. I think it's three uh, editions now, but basically they anchored everything in terms of uh, performance and setting your benchmark or your baseline to what they call functional threshold power, which is the power that you can sustain at 100% for approximately 60 minutes, which is a pretty tall order. And most people don't freaking do a 60 minute freaking full on TT anymore. You can extrapolate through six minutes, 20 minute tests. Uh, but that gives you a pretty good indicator of where your capabilities are and what Coggin and Allen did was to then automatically set uh, all of your power training zones to that functional threshold training zone, which is just a little bit below like aerobic capacity. So it's on a scale of one to 10, it's probably like a seven and a half to eight yeah. effort. You know, it's not a sprint. It's not tempo, it's freaking hard and your legs are getting heavy and your legs are burning. Yeah, and we didn't have this written down to go over, but like the the way that you just mentioned FTP is kind of being that, that seven that seven point five in your range mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. of of, uh, of power. 
the same way that you may other through other sports or whichever you may be used to having heart rate zones based off of either your max heart rate or something like that and then training to those zones once you have your FTP um, you can do kind of the same thing with power zones and training that we'll get into and in when we start yeah. applying some of these but um, yeah good stuff um, so you, you mentioned aerobic and anaerobic um, we've got some some room here to talk about a couple of these things um, so let's let's define what I think we've got these in a different order. Let's define what aerobic is, anaerobic is, and then let's talk about VO2 max. Sure, sure. Okay, and then we will jump in between the two. So basically, uh, how we do work, that work is supplied by various energy systems. So we're either doing it with oxygen or aerobically, Mm -hmm. which typically means that's going to be lower to moderate and if you're really training precisely to moderately high levels of intensity uh, or anaerobically which means without oxygen so if we're looking at not oxygen and we breathe right it's Mm -hmm. that is going from you know less than a minute to six to ten minutes depending on you know how moderate to high that uh, effort is and then lastly which we're not using too much but you know, there is a lot on the on uh, track work, stuff like that is like uh, anaerobic capacity, like the creatine phosphate system. So that's mm-hmm. the third energy system. So supra maximal, like 15, 20 seconds, all out efforts. So those are the three ways that your body can uh, uh, energy systems that your body selects from. And it's not well-defined either. It, there's a blurriness in between as your body converts from aerobic to anaerobic. You mm-hmm. might be aerobic lower intensity and do a street stop sign sprint, and then you're going to you know, drift back down through anaerobic. You know? So it's not black and white. There's a lot right. of grays um, in regard to the energy systems. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then um, VO, VO2. So VO2 is basically your predetermined genetic limit to the maximum amount of oxygen that you can consume and Mm -hmm. use. So VO2 max, so it's like ventilary, um, uh, your oxygen maximum uptake. So uh, the reason it's such a big buzzword in endurance sports because it shows your genetic potential it's the capacity but it's showing your sport potential right so it doesn't always mean because there's some people that test like shit you know i'm not the best test taker myself so sometimes people kind of answer with a call a little i've seen you do that in days too when i can remember races you're like "Eh, i'm not feeling the best and people would jet and you would be able to go because you were responding and you know you're just live in the event i wasn't always like that yeah um, but I think of if we're looking at a house and I got to pay credit to Phil Skiba, who, uh, uh, has got a couple books out there, SKIBA, good guy, really simplifying, uh, complex stuff. But he used to say, picture a house and you're standing within the house, the actual roof line, that outside roof line of the house would be your VO2 max. Mm-hmm. So there is a genetic ceiling to that. Training will get you, will uncover a lot of that because it requires a lot of high intensity training using specific intervals, some of which we'll talk about. Right. Um, but once you get there, you're pretty much there. 
And then that functional threshold power or similar level uh, intensity intervals are kind of like that the ceiling of that house on the mm -hmm. inside. And so I like that diagram. And then you're the person in there. So there's a couple of things you can't, you know, you can't make that roof any taller is what it is, but you can try to bring that ceiling closer to the roof line as you bounce back and between those uh, uh, energy systems. And yeah. you can also increase your own personal capacity. So the person in the house also gets bigger you know, to, uh, to get closer to those capacities, I guess you could say. Yeah. So with, um, you know, with, with a certain amount of training, maybe you're up into the second floor and you've got the ceiling there. And then with some more training, you can, you can pop yourself into the attic, but you're not busting through that roof. Yeah. So that just, right. It's just like, Hey man, I'm going to get taller. It's like, no, you're not. Like, <laughs> it's like, like, that's what that is. Like your yeah. true view. So I know when I start hitting right 400 Watts, I'm like, might be about three Watts, man, but it's like, it's not worth it at this part because my yeah. left eyeball is about to pop out and it's not <laughs> usable. So, okay. So the next one we have to touch on on after that is lactate threshold. Um, okay. And all of these are uh, kind of like you said before they blur together or are the result of certain things um, within the anaerobic and aerobic and all that good stuff. So um, lactate threshold. So lactate threshold is so almost like when we think of functional threshold power, right? That that power we're able to maintain for about an hour. That's why it's yep. just, it's usable. It's functional. So lactate threshold. It's kind of that threshold of where you are going to ultimately cross over. Like too much, meaning too much lactate. Your legs are stuffed. Uh, very acidic, painful, and that's going to force you if you go well beyond your lactate threshold to come well below your lactate threshold so that you can again start to do more work. So it's just another one of those markers in there. And it's another cool thing about training with power because that threshold lines up pretty close to that functional threshold power. So I like, you know, like you, like you said, to simplify. It, we're going to, we got a couple more terms here, but I think that we both try to just, dude, it doesn't need, you know, you know, definitely. I don't like a over paralysis by over analysis, right, man. Right. It's just like, dude, we're going to give you the, you know, you in the house, what are we trying to do? You know, you're trying to improve your capacity so you could ride faster. Yeah. And I think that, that as, as we go through these, right, like we, we don't, we don't live in these every day, no. um, nor do you need to, but as, right. as we start talking about, um, different training techniques to to improve and, and become more performant. You and I are going to talk about these things and mm -hmm. say these things, and we just want that foundation there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and a thing that I was going to say earlier that I that I didn't that is kind of a sidebar, but um, we've talked a lot about um, having objective views into your training and um, using power. And I was I was watching um, a documentary the other day, and it was it was actually about Leadville, uh, and I don't remember who they were interviewing. Uh, but they were interviewing her and she was talking about, you know, typically she trains with power. She she races with power because she knows what power she can use. Um, but because the elevation was so different and she wasn't acclimated, mm -hmm. those numbers don't matter anymore. Right. And she had to go off a of perceived exertion, yeah, um, which yeah. I thought was interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so again, right, so being able again to quantify is showing you exactly the work, right? So that's showing for that, so that's a great example. So you're like, dude, I can usually do FTP, 290 watts, 90 RPMs. It's like, cool, welcome to Leadville. And you're like, oh, 
shit. <laughs> right? So to yeah. hit your 90 RPM, you're like, oh, dude, I'm like at 265. Like, what happened? It's like less oxygen, bro. That's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, you know precisely, right? So, you know, if you lost 35 watts there, I mean, it's a gross over you know yeah. uh, estimation but you get the you get the thing if if you know where you are where you should be you know how to adjust so super yeah helpful. it's it's one of those things where like i think when i started training with power and, and maybe this is just a mistake and if, if if it is we can prevent other people from doing it when i started training with power i started to disregard perceived exertion entirely um and and there's probably more of a mix there or or should be so when when she mentioned that i was like hmm Hey, that's really smart. I didn't think about it that way. Um, and maybe I should pay more attention to uh, perceived exertion. Yeah, it's kind of a blend, you know. So I was there for maybe the second power-based certified coaching program at the Olympic Training Center where, you know, I got my hand autographed, Hunter Allen, Andy Coggin, <laughs> you know, freaking version one. I was so freaking stoked as a power geek. But yeah, for a little bit of time, I even dropped my heart rate because they were just saying, dude, it's all about the wattage, man. That's all yeah. that matters. You just want to do that work on the bike. We're going to help you measure to see the response, the dose of training, and figure out your recovery. But the one thing that it just kind of failed to provide for at the time, and they've made a lot of adjustments since, is that's just within the cycling vacuum. So I think mm -hmm. what we're doing here at NFR, right, is like, dude, you know, we both have kids. We're both working. We're both like, dude, we can't do freaking. Tw I look back at old logs. I'm like, dude, really? I used to train 23 and a half hours a week. Oh, Holy yeah. shit, man. But so for a little bit, anyways, 12 years ago, whatever that was, I, I just set the heart rate monitor aside and I just looked at the power meter and yeah, it, it, it definitely did lead me to some new levels of improvement because you're like, wow, I wouldn't have thought I was like capable of this. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that it did was it took away from kind of the overall awareness of what I was doing to myself on the bike and where I was showing up in life for my other relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Because... Dude, neither one of us, I mean, there was a little bit of time, man. You almost were going to go the pro route to start trying that on, you know. And if either of us were going to do it, it was going to be you that could do that. But, yeah, I remember just like, dude, I was always exhausted. I was always fatigued. And I'm like, what am I doing, man? Like, this is like, okay, that does make sense what they're saying, but I'm yeah. a mess. You know, everything is all about the bike, like. Yeah, uh, it was it was definitely it was definitely a lopsided time. It was cool for the little bit to learn, but I use it all. I you know the more like I said, the more data inputs, the better. The more that you train and and have experience doing all this, the more you're able to filter out the noise and mm -hmm. and parse through to the useful things. But I really do believe that you need as much in input as possible. And then over the course of time, with experience, it's not so noisy, but you can determine sometimes yeah. like, where you're at. And it's interesting the way the science and the ideas around it have progressed, um, even with tools like um, like the the Whoop Band. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, where, where you're taking in not just the effort on the bike or the specific exercise, but you're taking in. Um, data around your entire day. It's looking at yeah. the. It's looking at the way that. Um, it's looking not only at your heart rate, but the um, the 
oh man, how am I forgetting that? The space between the yeah. beats and your readiness to train and the balance of yeah. uh, central nervous system, sympathetic parrot. That's a whole other freaking nomenclature yeah. verbiage thing. Yeah. God, we got a lot and, to do. And before, before tools like that, the best we had was more subjective like how we were feeling yes. right which yeah. sometimes we could we could ignore and push through and we probably shouldn't have but anyway this is we're, we're spiraling out here <laughs> like we tend to so if we're gonna rain us in rain us in moving along moving okay so we've talked a lot about uh terms that deal with uh we just have fun doing it, man. We can't help right? it. Right? It is, man. This is like writing and talking. That's why I love this, man. Like you're saying, <laughs> I'm, I'm so stoked to do this on my birthday, man. I got to ride with my wife, cruise around. I'm here looking at you. We're just talking about training, man. I'm good. Yep. It's all good. It's good stuff. <laughs> so the we, we grouped all of this in a, in a certain way, I guess, even without really thinking about it. But So we've talked a lot about like body functions and things like that. And now we're going to mm-hmm. get into some of the actual terms that apply to, to the training. Um with the different tools we have for the bike. Um, the first one of those being uh, TSS or training stress score. Um, you have a better take on this than I do because I have a very simple take on it. So I'll let you do it. Okay. Well, again, right? What are we doing? Like you said, so I guess it's a good segue as we rein ourselves in is how do we make sense and guide ourselves if we're not doing it with the old-fashioned Borg rating of perceived exertion, which originally was 1 to 20, and then we went down to 1 to 10. So it's training with power. It's quantifying. So, okay, I get it. I'm measuring the watts, which are similar to weights that I'm writing against, or I'm seeing it on a power meter. Well, how do you quantify the whole thing? Well, that's, again, this is a credit to Andy Coggin, you know, specifically that came up with all these algorithms, but training stress score or TSS is a measurement of the volume and intensity of a ride. So I like to think about it in, in like dose, like a dose of medication. Like what was that dose of training, right? What was the strength of it, the volume of it? Um, and so it gives you a pretty good idea from ride to ride, and then you can stack all those rides up as well, you know, and add all these TSS points so that you're starting to see how you're gradually ramping up volume and intensity. So that's the beauty of it. It's volume, intensity, time. Um, so it, it encapsulates all those things. And it's interesting. We've talked about this before. If you've ever been on training peaks, what you have with you have the actual TSS and training peaks, right? Yes. Um, yeah. But then when you go to Strava and other other platforms, I don't know if they do it now, but I know for a while they didn't have kind of the license for that formula or something Correct. like that. So Correct. they gave you they gave you a number that was trying to do the same thing in terms of effort, but may not have actually been calculated the same way. Right, right. So what you're talking about, and then so this is just a good super light. So what they basically allowed to do, as opposed to going subjective, RPE, how do do I or do I not feel Mm -hmm. before, during, and after a ride, they now can quantify and then say how ready you are Mm -hmm. based on uh, how fit, how fresh, how fatigued. So fitness over the course of time will go up, right? Mm -hmm. And then on certain days, even as that fitness in general is going up, you still do require those off days, right? So certain days you're not quite as fresh. There's a little bit more fatigue. Mm-hmm. And so when we know all these numbers, we can hit a maximum fitness while feeling you know, maximum freshness and minimum fatigue. 
So that's another thing, you know, with this, they, they called it a performance management chart and still do Strava and some of the other guys made some small changes to the algorithm so that it, they wouldn't, you know, copyright trademark infringement stuff. But essentially, you know, suffer scores and all that kind of stuff. There it's it is, measuring yeah. overall fitness, which is your capabilities, and then also giving you a read at your freshness or your readiness to cha- uh, train in regard to fatigue as well. Yeah, so the the ride I did this morning, um, it gave me, Strava, gave me a, a relative effort score of 79. Right. So they're just calling it relative effort, but I think that it's interesting or maybe it's important to understand that that relative effort, like the history of that really started with TSS. and. Yeah, it's connected and we'll hit some of the others, you know, yeah. normalized power intensity factor. Those are the other things that they've kind of extrapolated from. Those are actually our next two words. Right. Or So we've got um, NP or normalized power uh, right, right. and intensity factor are the next two on the list. So well done on the segue there. <laughs> We're not practicing this at all, you guys. It's we probably like, should, but we don't. Damn, come from the hip. <laughs> <laughs> So basically, yeah, so, okay, so we got the overall, measuring your overall dose of training, training stress score, and then quantifying the actual, you know, like if you're looking at that, one of the first things people say is like, wow, well, what, like, what were the average powers, you know, like, you used to be like, well, dude, yeah, I was cruising the uh, PCH freaking trail, and I was like, 28 miles an hour average, well, so the same thing started with power. And people would be like, oh, I was riding for like 30 minutes or an hour with like, you know, 240 watt average. So again, Cog and the guys, they created what they call normalized power. So we're not machines. So if you're just looking at ones and zeros, take, for example, like I think they use on their website, a criterium race, which is basically flat, four corners, about 100 people. So you're either totally on the gas, pedaling hard, mm-hmm. sprinting into out of corners and making breaks and sprints, or you're just not pedaling and you're chilling. Mm-hmm. And so the average power would look like way low. So what they came to realize is like, we're not machines. There's a, a they call it like a curvilinear response. Since we are human beings, bit by bit by bit, going back to that lactic acid, all these things build up bit by bit. No matter mm-hmm. how much you're resting, sometimes you need a little more rest, despite the fact that you're staying within certain functional threshold and cadence power ranges. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his normalized power algorithm took into account if all things were created and if it was like a true averages of zeros and constants, then this would be the power that you would have been able to sustain. Hmm. And so then when you look at compare something like a criterium with a lot of mega high power pedaling and a lot of not pedaling mm-hmm. compared to a road race, which is very variable, uh, the normalized powers for those riders that would like for me, for example, go into a crit and doing a road race, my normalized power is pretty much the same, even though the way I express that power is very different in that flat four corner hundred man race mm-hmm. or a very rolly smaller group road race bridging attacks and time trialing and attacking hills and, and stuff like that so that's normalized power which is actually more accurate as opposed to uh 
average power right. so it's, it's just more usable it's interesting I'm, uh, again i'm looking at the ride i did this morning on strava and within their power analysis they have um they have average power mm-hmm. they have total work which is measured in kilojoules which we actually don't have on our list which we should uh, max power and then they have um average weight or weighted average power they don't have anything about normalized power so weighted power is like your normalized so they're on that curve of what it should mm-hmm. be like you know if everything was equal and there was no curvilinear response to uh-huh. things gradually breaking you down it's like right we can't ride forever we are still organic beings there's there's other processes going right. on biologically so that's what those algorithms take into account so we're we're saying that very likely strava's weighted average power is very close to what we're calling normalized power Lost power correct cool. correct that's good to know. Um, the other one that we've got within here, uh, Strava did give me an intensity score. Uh, so we've got intensity factor mm-hmm. on our list. I wonder if those are the same. So, yeah. So, okay. So, and so here's the thing in general, as we think of these things to review, I'll keep saying the terms training stress score, total distance training, uh, normalized power, which you could do if all things were equal or not machines. Remember, uh, intensity factor, how hard, was the actual training so once we you quantify all these things you know your functional threshold power that's the max power for 60 minutes uh intensity factor is graded from you know it's like by decimals so you start measuring it at about 0.75 so anything below basically 75 percent of what you're capable of doing is considered recovery 75 to 85 that's right around, you know, aerobic starts to get more difficult as the numbers climb up. 90, that starts getting to VO2 max. Remember that roof line of the house to 100%, which is where you're like maximum effort time trials. And if you ever see a reading of above 100 or, or within the, form, the decimal system, they call it a 1.05, mm-hmm. then that's an indicator that, hey man, your functional threshold power has increased. So... In the Coggin Allen world, when you do your functional threshold power test, uh, which is measured at only 20 minutes, but it's saying it's extrapolating, you know, you can do uh, this wattage for one hour. So just super easy math. Let's just say, you know, you could do 100 watts for one hour. Then intensity factors of 70, you know, less than 75 watts would be, mm-hmm. eh, that's pretty easy for you. 75 to 85, and you can see how it starts to graduate up. Right. When you start to do 105 watts, it's like, dude, that's a sprint. You're not going to be doing it much. And if the score is consistently there, it's like you're, you've improved. You've now improved, your yeah. FTP, if you retest it, is probably 110. And then the math definitely would right. all shift over to the right. Yeah. So on the ride I did this morning, um, Strava says my intensity was 65, which mm-hmm. it was like I was I was just having a good time spinning. So that that feels right. Like that's within the recovery range and just kind of not going crazy. Right. So cool. OK. Interesting. So we actually structured this pretty well. Um, pat on our own backs, I guess. Cause we, <laughs> oh, here's one thing. Let me hit this real quick before okay. we go on. I think I can guess real quick. Let's do the kilojoules, just like a super oh, yeah, maximum. Yeah. So I, I remember, you, so kilojoules, what is kilojoules? Sometimes it, kilojoules is just like total work done. If we're just looking at the energy, you're not looking at how it's made or anything. Mm-hmm. Just like how much total power have you generated within a workout over the course of a week, over the course of a month. So 
when I went to do last year the big bear uh, 75k ride I'd never ridden more than 35 miles in the dirt and that was a 50 mile ride mm -hmm. so it was big kilojoules I can't recall, recall off the top of my head but one quick way to, to you know sometimes guys are looking at these super short events and then they want to do something long a quick way to look to see how capable you are or how much of a stretch it'll be is to look at the kilojoules that you've uh, completed up to that point in time and then what I was doing was gradually increasing the workload like mm -hmm. I'll stress gradually to get myself there and then so it kind of showed oh I am now able to produce this much work at one time on the bike and then the last part of that we'll leave that there all this training with power and these very specific algorithms right here uh, with Coggin the cool thing that it made very possible is like you could tell me, hey, I went out today and I've never been to Boston riding where you're riding, but you could say, you know, hey, how was your ride? Ah, it was an intensity factor of like 65. I was cruising it, you know, for about an hour. So it's like, hmm, it gives me right in my head. An intensity factor of 65 means your effort level was about this for this duration. I could guess at some of the others, but it was a, it's a way for people to talk about the different rides that they do. So right. you might be doing that technical rock climbing ride. And I was out with Norma with, you know, uh, something way different, you know, but we can gauge at and understand, you know, the intensity levels that we're talking about yeah. going beyond knowing nothing about a trail, a ride, an event. So that's what that made possible is to communicate what a ride is actually like yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I think we we called out on one of the earlier episodes that I had never paid attention to kilojoules um, right. <laughs> for for a workout. Um, but it, after after we talked about it, I, I started thinking about that a little bit more, and um, it it totally makes sense in understanding um, capacity. Yeah, uh, and. You know, this gets into some other things about training, whichever, but like you're not going to um, if you've trained up to an ability. Yes. You're not going to be able to go and race and all of a sudden you're 40 percent above what that ability was. Right. So and, and sometimes people think you can do that. Like I, I can. But whatever. Um, no, you no, can, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't. You can't. Right. <clears throat> you can't. Um, and so like knowing that. Um, I've, I've got a specific amount of total work that I've done for rides, um, and being able to look at what that was. So this morning's ride, uh, total work was 498, at least that's what Strava says. Um, so let's just say that the longest ride I had ever done, um, pushed me to a thousand. So that, that feels like that's now my my constraint unless I train past that kind of like you were talking about with with yours so just understanding like if I were going to go do true grit epic today I would try to find out um what other people's roundabout total work would be I yes. would think right uh and then start to extend my training to fit within those brackets of that total work so when I went there uh I knew I could at least succeed so you got that right. And so, the, so again, so this is a good segue and then very general, because again, 
it's our effort, right? To make things usable, to keep things simple. We're throwing all these terms just so they're so familiar, but we're not going to spend a lot of time on all these terms. So you don't get lost in the weeds. But I We've think we've already spent it, more than we said we were right? going to. I, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but that's why we're doing this one, right? So, yeah. but you did hit on that one as it, we hit in one of the other earlier episodes, I think, or for sure one of my blog posts of, I kind of just strip it all down to demands versus capacity, right? This is the last, I think, of our nomenclature things, which should have been in there. So demands of the race, for example, true grit, true grit epic. What is the capacity required? Capacity is your current capacity, like you talk about, mm-hmm. right? Because that sets your limits. So your physical capacity to do work on the bike versus the demands of the course that you're wanting to go perform at. All these little uh, things that we're talking about contribute. And when you're trying to dissect and compare your capacity to the demands of something, you're using these different power terms to do that. Man, I, I, I can't do it fast enough, but I so badly want to go back to the, the Strava file for Trigger Epic and see what that, that total work was. Right, right. Because for for those of you though that was a five hour that was a five hour mountain bike um, haul at right. uh, for fifty miles in uh, in St George Utah yeah I'm not gonna be able to find it fast enough um, but here's but a good thing I mean and this is probably another future episode right uh, well and here's for for even the sur- the hernia so we'll we'll use these things as I'm coming back from this thing but I've got that big bear ride which for me was huge. You've got the true grid epic. We can look at those things and then do the, you know, going through the exercise of quantifying the demands and then measuring your capacity. And then that's basically what I do as a coach, right? I got those two pieces and I'm helping you get from A to B so that we increase your capacity to exceed the demands of that goal you set for yourself. Yeah, we've got we've got a lot of stuff to talk about and future stuff which is great right yeah no no man yeah so, better to be running out than we're just looking at each other right here with dead yeah. air <laughs> uh, so what we've talked about are a little bit about the the measurements and the quantifying yes. um and how we've done that then we went into um kind of the human factor of it and the body systems and all that um uh, we started throwing some terms in terms of like tss and intensity factor and the last bit of this is um really about tools that we have to push against all of that, right? So actual training kind of pieces that we'll talk about in, um, in future episodes, but just to mm-hmm, get mm-hmm. the verbiage out now, um, the first one of which we had was a, a ramp test. Yeah, so basically when I talk about, again, right, within the framework of measuring your capacity, the ramp test is just a standardized protocol. It's used to measure either your VO2 max or your FTP. You can use it for that as well. Nice. Um, and then we don't have a description written down for this that I can read, but there's, uh, it's a workout type, which is T max, right? So T max targets that again, that roof line of the house to help you get to that genetic ceiling. So their VO two max level intensity intervals. Mm-hmm. What does the T and T max stand for? Does that stand for uh, anything? time? Yeah. So it's oh, okay. time at maximum power. So like you said, we'll go at another gotcha. episode. I'll break down how we use all that. Yep. Yep. Uh, the one after that is uh, spam, which is not a breakfast dish, but <laughs> it is sustained power at muscular and, effort and muscular and, endurance ah, okay. intervals. So those within the frame, this is kind of the, the, a lot of the training framework that I use. So that's mm-hmm. 
a, a pretty close equivalent to you know functional threshold power. Mm -hmm. And I think it's fair to say that those are all tools that you would use within, um, maybe this isn't right, but like a high intensity training format as opposed to um, a, an, an LSD or like a, a longer, more traditional training format. Did I say that yeah, right? Yeah. No? yeah, yeah. so you're close. So two different things, right? So you, you'll sometimes see HIT or H-I-I-T, high intensity interval training. Mm -hmm. So all this stuff uh, that we've talked about so far and the reference to those intervals are high intensity interval types of mm -hmm. efforts. Um, so, and what I do is more of a high intensity, low volume training. I train mm -hmm. at a fraction of the time nowadays. So that's a different style as opposed to the old school traditional was very periodized. Tudor Bompa, the PhD exercise right. physiologist that created it, Joe Friel popularized it. And within that framework, everything was built gradually over the course of time on large amounts of volume, beginning with, like you said, LSD, long, mm -hmm. slow distance. So that plays no part in the uh, high intensity, low volume kind of uh, right. training paradigm that I use. So it's just a difference, but you know, it's not to say there's no value, but if you're living and you're working and you're doing stuff, it's hard to just get 20 plus hours crushed. But the one thing is like, you see pretty much all these pros, man, I mean, they are doing mega volume. And the reason they do that mega volume and start things with long, slow distance is because you can build a better and more solid base. And the bigger that base is, the mm -hmm. higher, uh, the longer you'll be able to maintain your peak. So the peaks that you can hit on both high, in uh, high intensity, low volume and periodize are very close. But where periodized wins is you can hold that peak fitness for much longer because you have such a ginormous base of training because you got all this mm -hmm. volume, whereas right. something I'm doing, you know, HILV, high intensity, low volume, I cycle through, you know, peaks of fitness, sometimes three times over the course of a year, where if you read any of Joe Friel's things where you're like, you're going to peak once or twice. Yeah. So, you know, I've done it three, sometimes four, depending, and it's fine because I'm on these shorter high intensity cycles. So that's the difference between the two. Yeah, and it's fair to it's fair to bring out that um, at least from from yours and my perspective, the high intensity, low volume training is more of the area that we stay in because Yeah. Uh, because of just being time crunched in, in real life and we're not pros and we don't get paid for this and we've got um, a bunch of other stuff taking our time during the weeks. Yeah, that's pretty much it, right? I mean you still gotta live. I mean my bike is pretty much, you know, right next to a, a close second, right behind my marriage and family, man. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, you know, and as we, and you know, I'm aging as we age, I found again that there's a, it's a big, huge benefit to training this style. Um, you know, we get that more frequent high intensity bouts and not necessarily ginormous volumes of high intensity which nowadays I have a, a more difficult time to recover from. So yeah. races like the Big Bear, I knew that was going to be it, man. You know, and the, <laughs> there was a crash. I might have been interested to try another thing. But, yeah, I'm definitely not cycling back as quick as I used to from one week to the next to just hit it at maximum intensity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I just don't have the like. We don't have the luxury of, of uh, 23 hours on the bike a week. I don't. Yeah. I, I couldn't. Yeah. Uh, if yeah, 
I don't know I could do that if someone was forcing me to just with everything else we have going on. Yeah, I'm with you on that too, man. Nowadays, I just dig, you know, let's go out there and do it, man. And then there's other time for other things. All right. So that was actually a lot more information than I thought we were going to, than we were going to go through. This was supposed to be kind of a quick and simple thing, but um, there's a lot of good stuff in there. And I think it it really is important to have this foundation as we continue talking about um, the different workouts and training that we are going to keep talking about um, starting with the next episode. So uh, good stuff. Really appreciate it. Thanks for hanging on your birthday. Right on, right on, dude. Again, dude, I just, dude, getting to talk about bike stuff with you and other people are listening on my birthday. <laughs> That's good yeah, times, dude. That's good stuff. Right? It is, man. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you again. Um, we'll look forward to next week's episode where we start applying some of what we've we've learned today. Uh, and until then, keep uh, keep doing the work. Right on, man. All right.